1: You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed.
2: Jason, he was an amazing human being. When he was young, he was fun. and Vivacious. A little bit giddy. So you're the big sister? I'm the big sister, yeah, by about three and a half years. That's just enough to be able to tell him what to do. Absolutely, (laughs) yeah, yeah. I don't think he always appreciated it.
3: Jason was a 31-year-old widower with two tiny children.
2: He decided that he needed support and decided to engage the services of an au pair. That was Molly Martin's.
4: I always knew her as kind-hearted.
5: She loves other people more than she loves herself. I would describe her, even growing up, as just remarkably altruistic.
2: She was good with the kids. Jason started to smile a bit more.
3: There was definitely something between them. The two of them looked very happy. Jason was always the romantic type. He shouldn't have been alone for the rest of his life.
2: He proposed to her on Valentine's Day.
5: The wedding was, was beautiful. She seemed happy.
2: I a lot of things changed when they moved to America. Jason starts to talk about moving home. He wasn't happy. He said she was acting strange. He would open up and say they were having difficulties, and then he would... Change the subject.
5: When they moved to the U.S., I definitely start to notice more uh, verbal altercations and verbal abuse. Jason was yelling at Molly.
1: Davidson County 911. My name is Tom Martins. My son-in-law got in a fight with my daughter. I intervened, and he's in bad shape. We need help. What do you mean he's in bad shape? He's hurt? He's bleeding all over, and I, I may have killed
4: him. He's got by the throat. Yes. I
1: was screaming, help, and he was screaming, I'm going
5: to kill you. And I said, let her go. Let her go. I'm going to kill her. Let her go. I'm
4: going to kill her. He walks in that scene a nightmare. Without Tom Martin's heroic efforts that night, Molly would be dead.
2: They claimed that it was self-defense. So you're telling me you think that whole thing was staged? Yes, 100%.
6: And the entire story that the two of them tell about Jason
2: choking Molly, in your mind, that is entirely a lie? Yes. The Martins didn't just murder Jason.
4: He was very controlled and abusive.
2: They tried to destroy his character.
4: Telling him that guy was crazy.
2: I would have done anything I needed to do to get justice for Jason.
6: All right, listen carefully. I'll tell you how to do chest compressions. I'll set a pace for you.
1: One, two, three, four.
6: The call came in the early morning hours of August second, 2015. I'm I'm certified. I I just
0: can't think.
3: Okay, you have to stay calm. Let your training take over. We need to try to to do this to help him, okay? Okay.
6: Police arrived at this Winston-Salem, North Carolina home to find Jason Corbett beaten to death and his blood on his wife, Molly. They knew who did it, Molly and her father, Tom Martins. The question was why.
4: He's got Molly by the throat,
6: like this. Just hours later, Tom, a 30-year FBI veteran, explains he'd been spending the night at his daughter's home. After being awakened by a commotion upstairs, he says he grabbed a little league baseball bat he brought as a gift for the kids and ran to her room. He
4: sees me coming and he goes around her throat like this. And I said, let her go. And it turned like you.
5: Let her go. I'm gonna kill her
6: says his protective instincts as a father instantly kicked in.
4: What the bat. On. And he reaches out and he grabs the bat. And he's stronger than I am. And he pushes me down. And I'm scrambling on the floor, the glasses fall off. And now I'm thinking he's
3: gonna kill me.
6: Molly told investigators the same story. He tried to hit my dad, I think, but he might have missed, and I, um, I hit him on the head. She hit Jason with a paving stone that was sitting on her nightstand.
4: You had a brick on your nightstand?
6: Yeah.
4: What was that that for?
6: Um,
8: the
0: kids and I, we were going to paint
4: paint these bricks and flowers around the mailbox. Oh. I get the hat back. can't tell you how many nails I'm him. I can't tell you. It's bad.
6: In Ireland, Jason's sister, Tracy Lynch, still cannot comprehend that he died this way.
2: I just couldn't process that it. it was um, they, you know, he was my best friend and we were just two of the closest people in the world to each other um, outside of my husband and children.
6: Tracy and Jason were part of a big Irish family in Limerick. She remembers her brother as a kind and caring soul.
2: We would just spend summers in uh, Spanish Point in County Clare, uh, hang out, fish. Just kind of normal, traditional Irish upbringing, really.
8: We looked like each other, but we were different in so many ways.
6: Jason was Wayne Corbett's twin. Would he have been the quiet oh, one, or no? In the middle no, of no, no.
8: Jason wouldn't have been quiet. No, you'd you, you hear him before you see him.
6: Jason married his first wife, Mags Fitzpatrick, when he was 27. They had two children,
2: Jack and Sarah. They were just so happy and so excited with life and so enthusiastic about it as well. And and the head Sarah and, you know, I remember them saying that they had, that their family was complete. They had their little prince and princess. Mm -hmm. But in 2006, shortly after having their second
6: child, Jason's storybook life came to an abrupt end. When Mags, a longtime asthmatic, suddenly had an attack.
2: Mags woke Jason to say that she was feeling wheezy. And he set her up. She started to take her nebulizer. Um, and she started to get progressively worse. We found out later. They called him in and told him that she had died on the ambulance on the way to the hospital.
6: And how old was he? He was 30. So 30 years old? Yeah. With a two-year-old son? Yeah, a 12-week-old daughter. With two very small children still at home, Jason Corbett had no choice but to pick up the pieces and move on after Mags died. A year and a half later, 25-year-old Molly Martins answered an ad for an au pair. She arrived in Limerick in March 2008.
3: I met Molly the day she arrived in the airport in Shannon.
6: Jason's longtime friend, Lynn Shanahan. And what was your impression of her when you met her?
3: Um, my first thoughts and the first sentence to my own husband were this is not what Jason needs right now. Why? The minute I saw her with the big bouncing curls, mm-hmm. she was in her 20s. She had a big bright coloured coat, fur collar, cowboy boots, was dressed and makeup done like a pageant queen, as we would have said. She just seemed not the nanny in type.
6: But Molly's uncle, Mike Ernest, says she was great with kids.
4: She grew up babysitting, always loved children.
6: Molly Martins had grown up in Knoxville, Tennessee. She dropped out of Clemson University and was looking to begin a new chapter in her life.
4: I think, you know, she maybe was looking for something uh, different and that this might get her involved too in, in something that I think she was passionate about, which is children.
6: In Limerick, Molly instantly connected with Jason's children, three-year-old Jack and one-year-old Sarah. He liked her.
2: She seemed gentle with the kids. We started to see, you know, a little glimpse of the old Jason coming back, that he was just, you know, not so sad all the time.
6: That's when Jason and Molly's relationship changed from professional to personal.
3: We went on holiday together. The two of them looked very happy. The kids were happy.
6: And they were soon making long-term plans. It was here at Freddie's Bistro in Limerick on Valentine's Day 2010, nearly two years after Molly Martins arrived to be an au pair, that Jason asked her to be his wife. Molly was over the moon and immediately began planning for a wedding
2: back in the States. They came and um, said that they got engaged, and we opened a bottle of champagne and toasted their future. Was he uh, happy? He was happy. Yeah, he was. He was in love. He loved Molly.
6: But that happiness wouldn't last for long. Davidson County now
4: 911, what is the address of your emergency? The was crazy. So there's a history of domestic violence in the house.
6: Tom, why not? Molly Corbett and Tom Martins continue to give Davidson County investigators a blow by blow account of what they say happened that night in that bedroom. By now, they've washed off Jason's blood.
9: Okay. I don't think, I don't think
6: so. Tom claims that when he arrived earlier that evening to visit Molly and the kids, Jason was drunk. They all went to bed without incident, but hours later, Jason's daughter Sarah woke up from a nightmare. She got the, the fairies, her she
2: were insects and spiders and lizards
6: in the middle of her interview Molly tells investigators she's in pain from the chokehold Jason had her in they photograph her including a red mark on the center of her neck it's hard to see in this photo they also take pictures of Tom
3: so
2: Did you get that
6: bruise? yeah, that was from another night. Another night when he called me. But as Molly and Tom tell tales about Jason's abuse, Jason's family had a different story. They say Molly was
2: the one who caused problems in the relationship for years. The person in Ireland was very different to the one that we met in Tennessee. Jason's
6: family supported the marriage, but when they arrived in the States for the wedding,
2: they say they noticed
6: Molly was behaving strangely. She was
2: just very controlling. She was angry, I would say. Um, And for someone who was about to get married, she just wasn't herself. She stayed in bed, curled up in a ball, um, didn't come out and socialize with anybody. And that, she says, wasn't the worst of it. What really set alarm bells ringing for me was when one of the bridesmaids told us before the wedding that Molly had told them that she had been friends with Mags, Jack and Sarah's mother, before she died of cancer. Mags didn't die of cancer. She died of an asthma attack.
6: And, of course, Molly never knew Mags. Jason's family was beginning to wonder if he was making a mistake by marrying Molly.
1: And I said, you're the most unhappiest married man I've ever seen on his wedding day.
6: Jason's best friend and groomsman, Paul Dillon, thought he should walk away. And I asked
1: him to just leave her and just get on the plane and go home. And he
5: said he can't, he made the commitment.
6: This man believes the Corbett's had a reason to be concerned.
5: My name's Keith McGinn, and Molly Martins is my former fiance.
6: Molly had been engaged to another man, who says they were still together when she left for Ireland to become Jason's au pair.
5: She had a lot of things going on. She had migraines. She had insomnia. She basically, she spent a lot of time just soaking in the bathtub, sometimes just crying on the bathroom floor.
6: Keith claims both he and Molly struggled with mental health issues that he describes in a self-published book written before Jason died. He gave us no records to back that up, although Molly's medical records from years after her time with Keith show that she was diagnosed with depression. Her brother Connor is reluctant to talk about it. Much has been said about Molly's mental health. Are you comfortable addressing that? I don't want to comment on that. At the time of the wedding, according to Molly's family, all was well, and she was happy to be walking down the aisle with Jason.
4: She looked very happy, and she looked like she was very happy to be getting married.
6: Jason was able to get a job transfer with the packaging company he'd worked for in Ireland. He and Molly settled into the suburbs of Winston-Salem. Well Molly got a job as a part-time swim instructor but spent most of her time with Jack and Sarah.
2: I was concerned for Jason and his children. He had moved lock, stock and barrel from Ireland, packed up his whole life, sold his house, gave up his job and was on the cusp of a new life.
4: Well, my impression was that things seemed to be okay. I don't know if they seemed to be great. I did see occasions where there seemed like there were issues coming up.
6: After four years, Molly was closer to the children than ever, and considered them her own. But her relationship with Jason was in trouble.
2: Jason starts to talk about moving home. He wasn't happy. Did he say why he wasn't happy? A lot of it was down to the relationship with Molly. Um, she was acting strange. There was things occurring that he wasn't comfortable with. And he missed Ireland, wanted to move back. But he knew and said that there would be huge difficulty in him coming back Mm -hmm. once Molly found out.
6: And the kids at this point, they call her mom.
2: Yes. She is their mother. Yes.
6: Molly had always wanted to officially become Jack and Sarah's mother. But Jason would not allow it. He didn't want to take the only mother they'd ever known, away
2: from them. But he wouldn't allow her to adopt them. Yes. Why? Because of what she had said about Mags and because of her erratic behaviour. She waited until just before the wedding and then all these stories came out. So when we spoke, he said he just couldn't. How could he go ahead and allow Molly to adopt the children when he had all these issues of trust
6: now, with Jason dead, police ask Molly about his family. Jason's decision not to allow her to adopt Jack and Sarah hits hard. I was
9: scared about of take the kids. Did you adopt the children? No. Then okay. that's a real possibility. Oh.
6: <laughs> the thought of losing the children is more than Molly can bear. But investigators offer Molly a light at the end of a dark tunnel. At this point...
4: After talking to you, Dad, and talking to you, it looks like this is going to be self defense. Okay? I don't think there's going to be an issue
0: with that. Ah. The comfort
8: of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this.
6: Tracy says when she got the horrible news of Jason's death, she knew it could not have been self-defense. Jason was a gentle
2: person. As Molly and Tom claimed. I kept ringing Molly. She wouldn't return my calls. Her parents completely stonewalled us. I got 30 seconds on the phone with Jack to tell him that I loved him and I was coming over to be with him. Tracy says she was desperate to get to Jason's children
6: as soon as possible. I was terrified, yeah. What were you terrified about? I was terrified she would kill them. You thought that Molly might kill the children? Absolutely. Years before, Jason had named Tracy legal guardian if he were to die. And Tracy knew Molly would not give up the kids without a fight. She immediately flew to North Carolina and filed for custody. Sure enough, Molly filed a motion for custody as well.
3: No one knew what scenario was playing in Molly's head, what she thought she needed to do, or was there a chance that they would be in danger if she knew they were taking them from
6: her. During the troubled marriage, Molly had asked an attorney what her rights to the children would be in the event of a divorce, she also secretly recorded arguments with Jason. Are you finished with your know. dinner, hun? i I'm talking to you.
1: No. Is this how you treat? This is what you just ignore
4: me? I said I'd like to have dinner with my friend.
2: I'm talking to
4: you. I shouldn't
9: have to say it over and over. I shouldn't have to say, it, Molly. Can you guys get Did out of the stuff for Panda? I see you. Here you go again. I'm talking to you. You're stuck and I'm talking about something Stop else. Screaming.
6: This friend says Molly spoke with her about Jason. So prior to his death, you never talked to her about their relationship? No. Mm -hmm. And after his death, has she talked to you much about Jason and that relationship? Yes. We agreed not to use her name or show her face. She says she's been threatened by Jason's supporters. There were, you know, some signs
7: that things weren't right. Like what? Controlling behavior, some of the bad language and... Calling her names and and then it just progressively got worse.
2: Forced sex, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Molly
6: never reported any abuse to police. Molly has said that Jason was verbally abusive, had started becoming physically abusive. Do you think that any of that is possible?
2: I don't believe any of that is true. <laughs>
6: Days after Jason died, both of his children were interviewed by a social worker. Tell
9: me why you're here. My dad died, and people who are, my aunt and uncle from my dad's side, are trying
0: to take away, take me away from my mom.
6: Jack and Sarah are asked about the night their father died. I don't
0: know what my dad was up because that's not, that's, that's, tell me
9: why that's not because it just gets very, really, really why'd you me
6: up? And Jack even explains you. the odd presence of the paving stone in the bedroom. It
0: was in my mom's room because it was raining earlier and we'd already we were going to clean it. We didn't want it getting it all
6: wet. When a social worker asks the kids about their parents' relationship, both seem to support Molly's claims of abuse. Do you know uh-huh.
0: twice. What did you do um,
9: punching, coaching, pushing. Has anyone told you what to say when other people talk to
6: you? i um, just saying they say, say the truth you now. That's all she said. But Tracy says that is not the truth. You believe that Molly or someone in the Martins family coached the children? I'm certain of it. The children were removed from Molly's care and placed with Tracy who was staying at a hotel in North Carolina as the custody battle waged on Tom and Molly were allowed a visit it would prove to be one of their last lots of people lots of people I love you so much I love you, I love you. Sixteen days after Jason was beaten to death, Tracy prevails. Jack and Sarah would be heading back to Ireland with her and away from Molly, the only mother these children have ever really known.
2: She was very, very devastated. She could you know, barely function. I mean, she was absolutely distraught.
6: In the months following their return to Ireland, Tracy says that Molly repeatedly tried to contact Jack and Sarah, posting numerous messages on social media, hoping that somebody here in Limerick would pass them on to the children. Did you feel that Molly had
2: any rights to them at all? No, Molly had murdered their father. um, And that's what I firmly believed at that point.
6: Tracy had a
2: new battle on her hands. Justice for Jason. After the autopsy, I recall the sheriff's saying that it was blunt force trauma. She was told that Jason suffered at least a dozen blows to the head. I looked at my brother in the coffin and witnessed just the devastation that one human can inflict on another. After those first
6: interviews, Molly and Tom heard nothing more from authorities. Despite Molly being told that the attack on Jason looked like self-defense, I don't think there's going to be an issue with that. A murder investigation actually kicked into full gear. And in January 2016, five months after Jason died, father and daughter are shocked when they are charged with second-degree murder.
4: I mean, of course they're devastated.
6: Tom, the FBI veteran of 30 years, would now find out what it's like to sit at a criminal defense table. They were both aware of the possibility that they might not walk out of that courtroom.
9: Correct. Every day,
5: our world gets a little more connected, but a little further apart. But then...
2: were under a lot of pressure as a family and, you know, we were concerned, were they going to be charged? So it was a relief that the charges were brought. Tracy felt sure from the beginning
6: that Molly and Tom did not kill her brother Jason in self-defense. In fact, she believes she knows the real motive.
2: There isn't a shadow of a doubt in my mind that Jason was beaten to death because he was going to leave with the kids.
6: Tracy says Jason's plans to move back to Ireland with Jack and Sarah, but without Molly, had finally come together. She and Lynn believe Molly found out that night.
3: I think Jason became surplus to her requirements. She didn't need him anymore. She just wanted the children.
6: After knowing her for years, Lynn thinks Molly had been plotting to get the kids away from Jason for some time.
3: She was playing the long game that she was telling people, that he had been abusive, she had her recordings.:
9: and you look in I'm talking so?
3: <laughs> she would have a case to get the children from him.:
6: While awaiting the trial, Tracy settled Jack and Sarah into their new home back in Ireland. They had intensive therapy, she says, and adjusted well.: Is it true that your father was abusive or false? Um, false. Nine months after returning to Limerick, Jack recanted what he told social workers after
0: his father was killed. What did Molly say? We were going into an interview. um, She was saying a lot of story, making of stories, about my dad saying that he was abusive. And she started saying, if you don't lie, I'll never, ever see you again.
6: Jack says he only has one motive for telling the truth now and I just what happened to my dad, and I want justice to be served. Today, Jack is 14 years old, and Sarah is 12. While we were in Ireland, they did not want to be interviewed. But the family did allow us to take video of them. Molly Corbett and Tom Martins went to trial together in July 2017. Family and friends of both the Corbett's and the Martins turned out in force. What was it like to be so close, sitting by and and in the same room with Molly and Tom?
2: Um, It was very, very difficult. You're sitting there and looking at, you know, two people that had done something that was so malicious and insidious and ferocious.
1: We thought we had evidence stacked up behind us a mile high.
2: Assistant District Attorney Alan Martin was
6: confident the state would prove that Molly and Tom murdered Jason with malice.
1: The viciousness and violence and excessiveness of the injuries that Jason suffered was really the cornerstone of our case.
6: Not only had the autopsy stated Jason suffered at least a dozen blows to the head, the exact number could not be determined because he'd been struck repeatedly in the same spot.
1: We looked at the damage to his scalp. Um, His scalp was literally ripped from his skull. His skull was crushed.
6: For comparison, the jury was shown pictures of the defendants taken
2: that same night. They didn't have a scratch, an abrasion. Molly had a delicate bracelet on her that that night that she continued to wear um, throughout the trial. Martin says that makes Molly and Tom's
6: claim of self-defense a tough sell.
1: You cannot be engaged in a Donnybrook, like they described, with a man who is bigger than you, stronger than you, taller than you, and not have a mark on you. It's just not possible.
6: A blood spatter expert bolstered that argument.
1: You can tell by looking at the spatter on the wall that Jason's head was 12 to 18 inches off the floor when some of the blows were struck.
6: Martin says that meant Tom was standing over Jason, still swinging after Jason could no longer have been a threat.
4: I've known Tom Martin's for 50 years. This is not someone who loses control. This is not someone who is going to kill someone out of malice. I absolutely do not believe there's any way Tom would hit him while he's down.
6: The defense pointed to photos that showed Molly did have that red mark on her neck. And a nurse practitioner testified that at a checkup just two weeks before he died, Jason said he'd been more stressed lately.
4: He had complained of getting angry for no apparent reason.
6: One strand of long blonde hair was found in Jason's hand. It was likely Molly's, but was never tested. And the autopsy indicated there were defensive wounds to Jason's left arm, but not to his right, the one in which he supposedly held Molly. He
4: said he was going to kill Molly.
6: Still claiming he did what any father would do to protect his child, the defense's star witness, Tom Martins, takes the stand. No cameras were allowed, but there is audio.
4: I certainly felt he would kill me. I felt both of our lives were in danger. I did the
5: best I could.
6: Molly did not testify, and the defense was not allowed to offer evidence regarding Jason's alleged abuse.
5: I did not
4: like some of Jason's behavior, particularly with regard to my daughter. That does not mean that I demonized the man.
6: Tom testifies he went only as far as he had to.
4: Once I got control of the bat, I hit him until I considered the threat to be over. And when I considered the threat to be over, I quit hitting him. Did Jason Jason make the threat to be over when he went down.
6: During closing arguments, Alan Martin used the bat and paving stone from the Corbett bedroom to hit home his point at the prosecution table. How much force
1: does it take? to split the flesh all the way to the skull. You know what malice feels like when it comes from the brick that Molly had? It feels like I hate it, and I want those kids. That's what malice feels like.
6: After nine days of testimony, arguments, and crime scene photos so graphic we can only show you isolated images, the jury deliberated for just three hours.
1: If they're coming back this fast with two unanimous verdicts, that's a really good sign.
6: Molly and Tom were found guilty of second-degree murder. It was just overwhelming belief,
2: really.
1: They beat him horribly and viciously. And no human being deserves to leave their marital bedroom with their skull destroyed like what
5: happened to Jason.
6: Had you been thinking that it was possible that a a guilty verdict might come back?
5: I did not think it was possible that both of them would be convicted of second degree murder.
6: Molly and Tom were immediately sentenced to 20 to 25 years in prison. That's when Molly turned around in court and said something to her mother.
4: I'm so sorry. I should have just let him kill me.
6: But, as it turns out, this case may be far from over.
4: Mistakes were made at trial.
9: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
10: Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment.
4: You saw tears,
6: there were tears. I even had a few tears there while the verdicts were being ran through. After the verdicts, as Tom Martins and Molly Corbett were led off to prison, the jury foreman described his struggle. It, It
4: wasn't an easy decision. Somebody's life changes.
6: And then he blurted out something that could potentially put those freshly minted verdicts in jeopardy.
4: We didn't discuss a verdict. But in having private conversations, everybody, we could read that everybody was going in the same direction.
6: Did the foreman just admit the jury discussed the case prior to deliberations? If so, that would be a direct violation of the judge's daily instructions to wait.
1: It's been pounced upon uh, to say, aha, these people got together and started deliberating before they were supposed to.
6: Prosecutor Alan Martin disagrees.
1: What I hear is, we're a group of people who are sitting together, seeing all these events transpire in the courtroom together. Without talking about it, we can read each other's body language while we're in the courtroom.
6: But within days, the defense filed a motion to have the verdict thrown out based on jury misconduct. The trial judge denied that motion. But one year later, the defense went to the appellate court, this time arguing there were numerous errors at trial.
4: There's part of me that maybe has some thankfulness that so many errors were made at trial that leaves room for a proper appellate decision in favor of Tom and Molly.
6: For one thing, there were blood stains on the hem of Tom's boxer shorts that the state said indicated he'd been standing over Jason as he swung the bat. Those stains were assumed to be Jason's blood, but they were never tested.
1: It's not practical, reasonable, or feasible to test every single blood spot in every location.
6: Then there's the matter of the statements from Jack and Sarah. Tell me why you're here. My dad died. Molly's brother, Connor, is upset that the trial judge did not allow them in.
5: The kids' statements say that uh, Jason was was an abuser.
6: What did
0: you mean? Um, punching, saying, pushing.
5: And those interviews were conducted in professional environments on multiple occasions where Molly was not present.
6: And to the allegation from the Jason side of the family that they were coached by Molly?
5: The, uh, I mean, the interviews were conducted by, by professionals out That's that's their job. Like, why would the prosecution try so hard to prevent that from coming from trial? It's only evidence for the jury. Let them make that decision.
6: Jack's statement recanting what he'd said after he'd returned to Ireland was also never heard by the jury. Is it true that your father was abusive or false? Um, false. The Martins family has maintained all along, it is that statement that was coached. Um, uh, she was saying a lot of story, making of stories about my dad saying that he was abusive. Do you think that the recanting should be allowed in, too?
5: I don't think so, out of the conditions. But if they can't, then the jury can discern, which is, which is truthful. Oh yes, oh yes, oh
1: yes, the court of appeals is not in session.
6: In January 2019, the state appeals court makes the rare move to allow oral arguments in Molly and Tom's case. Once again, both families flock to the courthouse, with Tracy flying in from Limerick.
2: There is always another step, or there is always something else to face.
6: Neither Tom nor Molly are present in the courtroom.
2: How does she feel her chances are with the appeal? I don't know. I I think that she is cautiously optimistic, but um, I think that there's still a lot of hopelessness too. It's hard to trust the system after what they've gone through. Each
6: side has just a half hour to make its most important points. The defense goes first.
4: There are a number of statements from the children, including dad got mad for no reason. It was error to exclude them.
6: But the prosecution pushes back. The fact that somebody makes a statement doesn't mean that it's trustworthy. The children didn't want to go back to Ireland. They had friends, they had schools,
4: they were used to the USA. Uh, They rode horses, they lived in a nice house, they were comfortable.
6: The defense... All we're asking for
4: is a fair trial.
6: ...makes an impassioned argument about jury misconduct.
4: In having private conversations, everybody, we could read that everybody was going in the same direction. A juror is confessing on the courthouse steps, not even an hour after the verdict, that they engaged in private conversations.
3: Are you concerned about this appeal? I'm not concerned about it. I think the case was really, really strong.
6: Mike says it is strength of a different kind that keeps Tom going.
4: Tom, I think, even as he sits in this atrocious miscarriage of justice, knows that he saved his daughter's life. And, you know, I think he can sleep at night knowing that even if she is in prison, she's not dead.
6: Back in Ireland, Tracy waits for the appeals court's decision. She's written a book about this case and Jason.
2: I wrote the book to give him back his character. The Martins, Molly Martins in particular, tried to destroy his character. I smiled briefly to myself as I realized that Jason eventually found himself back in the only place on earth he ever wanted to be, in the arms of his beloved Mags.
6: She finds comfort that her brother is buried in Limerick, next to his first wife and the mother of his children.
2: Jack and Sarah picked out the picture to change on the headstone from Mags to both of them. I hope they're together somewhere. The memories just float to the surface, and, you know, they'll always be part of our lives.
9: A wrongful death lawsuit on behalf of Jason's children was settled by Tom Martins. There was no admission of wrongdoing by Tom or Molly.
0: Hey, Prime members, you can listen to the 48 Hours Podcast ad free on Amazon Music download the amazon music app today or you can listen ad free with wondery plus in apple podcasts before you go tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey a
4: story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true listen to blood is thicker the hargan family killings early and ad free on wondery plus